Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Hang On To Your Hat, the final of the Broom series. That's right, Derek. I've got Dan in the studio. It's going to be good. Bad Daddy, you're a naughty boy. These days, fatherhood is everywhere. You can't get away from it. Not the blokes haven't tried. If you're not a father, you've got a father. You're a son of a dad or a daughter of a bloke. But either way, being a dad is no picnic. The fear, the anger, the confusion and, well, the love, of course. (laughs) Derek Myers and Dan Lee, together with their special guests, are here to share the highs and lows, the joys and the agony of being a modern dad. But most of all, to let you know that you're not alone. Well, Dan, I I got to say I'm going to miss this broom stuff that you've been sending back. Yeah, um, I'm almost tempted to put the hat around and send you back up there <laughs> with some more <laughs> oh, dudes. Don't, don't send me back up there. <laughs> no, look, it, it was great, and and these guys are obviously all mates of mine. Um, they were great mentors and friends when I was getting sober up there too, and for that sort of five years I was up there. Um, and we, we sort of had to come back a bit earlier than I'd expected because Missy had work commitments, uh, as often happens, that, that demanded that she get back a bit earlier. And then I had a week on my own with Sammy. It was a bit disastrous. <laughs> um, but um, it was – it was uh, uh, so we came back a bit early. So I had to um, – I got the guys that I could get at the time and I had a whole list of other people that I wanted to um, speak to as well, including – uh, a, a couple of Aboriginal dads that I know or were referred to me by these other guys. Because yeah. obviously there's a lot of talk about the Bardi people up on the peninsula with James Brown grew up with them. Yes. Uh, and his crazy. whole family yeah, have, yeah. have lived with the Bardi for, since, they've got, since they got there and they're the only white pearling family to pay the Aboriginal people from the beginning too. So um, they I, – I just want to acknowledge that I didn't – I haven't – Got yeah, we're going to call it the dads, uh, you know, dads of the Kimberley. Yeah. Uh, the, most of the dads in the Kimberley are... Are Aboriginal. Aboriginal people. Yeah, so, yeah. So, and, and, they, and, and so my intention was to get some of these guys, but, of course, there's, it, it, was, it was hard for me in that limited time, so I had to just get uh, who I could. And I, there's a bunch of guys up on the peninsula, on, on the Dampier Peninsula I'd like to speak to, like Albert Wigan and... Um, the, and Various places around Broome. Anyway, but they were just harder to reach. Is it a different? Is it a different uh, process to try and get something like a Aboriginal from the Kimberley to come on a podcast? Well, like I think is, it, is it is it a long is it a long game? Well, I think obviously these are the guys I know best. Yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. in a short amount of time, they were this they were the easiest people to get. And it is yeah. it is a bit harder. Most of the Aboriginal guys that I know who are um, who are going to be most inclined to do the podcast, yeah, like yeah. as I said. Albert uh, are are highly in demand with people like me. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it's it's yes, it is harder to get people, or or people are just busy with their families and are out of town, stuff like that. It's yeah, yeah. it's it's harder to do. So well, I, I, I regret I not having look forward to it. The having second more time. season of uh, yeah. the Dads of the Kimberley. That's for sure. Yeah, and and in fact, some of those guys I could probably get if if and when they're in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, there's a there's. One of the guys is doing stuff with Hugh Jackman at the moment. Right. Uh, part of his show, he's doing this touring 
show and he's got a section on the Kimberley. You know, he sings all his songs and stuff. No, I don't. But Hugh Jackman does this world tour of this know. massive show that a mate of mine plays didgeridoo for him yeah. and gets flown all over the world to do this five-minute or ten-minute section about the Kimberley. And there's, there's, there's one of the guys there who I was going to try and talk to, um, but they're touring around the world doing this this show, right, right with, with Hugh. And so when they're in Melbourne, maybe I'll try and cross yeah. paths. Yeah. But, um, yes, so, yeah. but that brings us to this. This is a sort of the last episode. So yeah. uh, this is with Quickie, um, uh, Greg Quick, who's a bush astronomer up there, who I met when I'm not long after getting up there. All these guys are in the same friendship circle, really. He's uh, probably will be known to people from his work on ABC with Professor Brian Cox and the stargazing. He was called Space Gandalf, whether he liked it or not. I don't know. <laughs> He's got a very big white beard. So anyway, I was I was at the I was finding it quite tough being up there with the kids and no kinder and no break from each other. Five yeah. five weeks is a long time. Oh, yeah. without routine. Without That's, routine. A one year old. The kids are starting to scream for yeah, some yeah. kind of routine. And yeah, you're was, going, but it's over soon. There's no point. It was getting crazy. Oh. So I was getting a bit more tense as time was going on. I was. I think these podcasts show that I'm pleading more and more for, for answers. So I thought I've got to finish with Quickie and and so this you'll hear that this is in kind of two parts that okay. I, I, I met with him in the end, the last part in the sand dunes at six o'clock in the morning on Cable Beach, kind of just wanting wanting to get his cosmic impression of, of things. And he talked to me a lot about his pearl diving history yeah. and about breath. Um, so anyway, th- this is a good way to finish, I think, on that. But that I look forward to hearing what Quickie's got to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, We're on. Okay. This is uh, this is hang on to your hat. This, uh, <laughs> da- this is the name of the podcast because that's yeah. the only advice we can give to prospective fathers with any real confidence. Yeah. Just hang on. Just hold on to your hat. <laughs> well, there's to- no real instruction manual, <laughs> is there? <laughs> no, that's right. The most important job in the world and yeah. absolutely no instruction manual. No qualifications. Manual. Yeah. yeah, and it usually comes to you totally... Like no matter how prepared you are, it's a it's a shock. It's a new thing. Yeah. It's like you well, know. you can't prepare. It's like no. somebody flicks a switch that you can't switch any other way, and all of a sudden you're a parent and or a mm. father, and yeah, and it's game on. And 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 when people when you don't have kids, people with kids, yeah, tend to have this kind. Of, I was talking to Andrew about this. There's a, there's a kind of patronising attitude sometimes people have when mm. they're listening to people. Yeah. to other people. Mm. And it's very hard for them to explain what it is about being a father or oh, a parent. Yeah. It's like, impossible. Yeah to, yeah, to encapsulate it. because, yeah. And it often just sounds kind of horrifying, mm. you know. Yeah. And, 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 it's, and it sort of is sometimes, you know. It's, uh, it, it's that kind of paradoxical, like all your greatest fears and all your greatest hopes and all your, yeah. you know, it brings all that up and yep. brings it to the surface. And yeah, you really just got to wing it, don't you? Yeah. 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 You're forced to wing it. Absolutely. Yeah. By mm. the way, this is Greg Quick here sitting with me, who I've known for quite a few years yeah. in Broome as part of our Broome series. Um, Quickie's a, an astronomer. Yeah, that's great. Yes. Yeah. Do you need to put anything else before it? <laughs> like you were a pearl diver and a, you've done all sorts. Like a lot of people oh, yeah. in Broome, you got here doing other things. That's and- right. I've done done many things in my life and it's all led me to what I'm doing now. And, you know, I kind of incorporate all of it in, you know, yeah. it, it makes a whole person, I guess. And Yeah. And that's how it works. So it's your perspective on all of that, 
on, on yeah. what you're doing on on the on the sky and the stars. Yeah. Um, so you so a lot of you will have seen Quickie on TV on the on the ABC with because uh, you've still got your your there's a show just about you, isn't there as well, or about your there your, is your I journey mean, to Broome and to well, there's getting some of a relationship that, with the stars. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Yeah, it's, mm. it's called a Stargazer's Guide to the Cosmos, and right. Uh, it's a ten-part series that they've also turned into a one-hour special. Yep, you know it's been on iView, ABC TV, yeah. and now I've just got a few emails from people telling me it's on Foxtel at the moment. Oh right, okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. So it's on Discovery Science, and I'm going. Oh, I didn't even know it was on there. So yeah. yeah, and I was so excited to when you when you when the ABC picked you up. I don't know how did they find you? Did someone just come to the show? Yeah, it was actually the BBC who picked me up. Ah. So the first time, first TV I was on was BBC for a program called Stargazing Live. Yeah, right, with, um, with Brian. With Brian Cox. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, one of their producers actually came out and did my tour on his holidays, ah. and he went home to England, and he told them, hey, we need this guy on the show. Yeah. And then I got an email from the series producer, and... um you know, saying basically, hello, I'm the series producer for Stargazing Live, and, and I'm a guy who hasn't even got a TV. I don't know what Stargazing Live is. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, all right. And uh, and I work with Professor Brian Cox, and, and we're looking for a practical astronomer to work alongside his theoretical framework. That's right. Like, oh, sounds like me. It does. It sounds exactly <laughs> like you. This so, is, yeah. I mean, that was, that was bound to happen at some point, I, well, I felt. Yeah, I mean, there were... There's been a few TV crews floating around saying you should be on TV, and it's like, yeah. well, you know, you can make it happen if you want. But yeah, yeah. it's so nice when that stuff gets, um, well, when someone has a personal story with all that stuff. Yeah. I think it makes it so much more accessible and yeah. interesting, and mm. and the way you deliver your kind of um, your experience of an understanding of the of, of astronomy and the stars yeah. and the night sky coming mm. out of the. Yeah, and that's well, yeah. all I'm doing really is just yeah. sharing stuff that's been powerful in my life, and yeah, and it seems to be just as powerful in other people's lives, which yeah. is really beautiful to be around. Yeah, yeah. And if you have a personal experience, because I remember going to your show years ago, and getting a sense of where everything was and the, where the sun yeah. was and where the, mm. and having a very real practice, because it's out at your live show out in out here in Broome, it's like you're lying in a swag watching this yeah. thing, which is how you started, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. and. So there's a very direct, practical way of getting to know the the night sky, yeah. which just allowed me in in a way that hadn't before. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's something in general with Broome. There's a people have learnt things very practically here. Yeah, and it's tied in with their whole experience. Yeah, yeah. Broome's a real treasure in that way. It, yeah, it encourages you to follow what's in your heart, and and yeah. if you do that, it provides everything you need. I know. Isn't yeah, that extraordinary? It is. It's amazing. You know, there's power in this land. And, yeah. You know, I've walked this land a lot with the Galara Blue people and, and Yaru people and everyone. And, yeah. You know, that that's what I've learned is that the land has character. Mm. You know, and every place has a different character. Mm. Yes. Know? Yes. You know, I can remember walking with, um, with Paddy Rowe when he was still alive. Yeah. And he said to me one day, he said, hey, Ed Stockman. Come over here. Because he called me the head stockman because I wear a big hat. Right. I said, yes, Paddy, what, what, are you, what, what am I doing? He said, you've got to help us. You've got to help us look after this country. You've got to walk it with us. Yeah. And it doesn't matter whether you're black, white or brindle. Mm. And when you walk this country, this country will respond and it'll, it'll smell you and it'll know what's in your heart. And if you've got the right thing in your heart, then this country's going to give you whatever you need. 
Mm. Yeah. And that's, I mean, listening to that, if I heard that for the first time, I'd be thinking very practically, like, like mm. it's going to give you what you need yeah. in terms of survival. Yeah. But there's a whole other level, isn't oh, there? There is. It's so giving much. you what you need. Yeah. Spiritually. Yeah. On all levels. Yeah. Yeah. And I was reluctant to believe that when I first got here because, mm. as you know, I came here to escape drinking and the whole yeah. sort of city crazy lifestyle. And Yeah. And it worked. And it fucking worked. It was unbelievable. And but it was about that thing of of being here yeah. and walking, whether you're literally walking on country or, yeah. or or being on the ground with the people and committing to the community and and yeah. being part of it and not sort of running away from mm. things when they're a bit hard. And yeah. when I got involved with the community was when it started to draw me in and provide. Yeah. It is really remarkable. It My really whole does. playwriting journey started because mm. I was saying to myself, I've really got to stay out of the spotlight because there's too much temptation yeah. to booze and drugs with doing stand-up comedy like I used to do and stuff. Yeah. And I, so I need to write for other people. So I yeah. need to mm. get a, um, I need to write for theatre. That way I'm not actually performing. I give it to other people. There you go. Yeah. And two days later, there's a sign goes up in the <laughs> library looking for playwrights. We'll teach you how to be a playwright. Get out. That's how about, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And then, 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 then a year later, I'm at the play festival in Melbourne, where I come from, going, being presented as a broom playwright. Wow. And going, yeah. <laughs> some of them didn't even know I'd left. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it really does yeah. seem to provide, like you're an example of that, mm. but it's a long-term commitment, isn't it? Or a long-term engagement with the place and the and Well, the it's country. a matter of being true to yourself. And yeah. if you're true to yourself, you're going to be true to the country. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's going to give you everything you need. Yeah. It's as simple as that, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Why can't we see that in other places? There's too much noise everywhere else, maybe. I don't know. I mean, every place. I mean, that's what I've learned. Another thing Paddy said to me, he says, how did you feel when we camped in that place over there? Mm. You know, he made me think about what I felt. <laughs> I wouldn't have thought about it otherwise. And then he said, how did you feel when we camped in that other spot over there? And so, again, it was like, oh, I didn't even think about it. But mm. when I did think about it, you know, that first place was probably relaxing. Mm. Um, and there was another place that he talked about that there's no way you try and sleep there because it's agitating, mm. but it's a good place if you want to go and sit down and make clapsticks or boomerangs, right? You know, so it's a place of action, but you'd never camp there. Mm. You know, there's that sort of thing going on. So if we look at Broome on that grander scale, you know, in the rest of the country, every place in the country probably has its role yeah. in that regard. Yeah. Mm. It's just where the, oh, the advantage here is, is there it's a bit easier to see it because the country's so dominant here. Yeah. Like it's so present. Mm. You have to wait for tides. You have to, Yeah. there's, there's monsoon. You, you yeah. sort of can't <laughs> pretend it doesn't exist. No, that's right. Like anyone right. who's had a wet season here yeah. knows you can't pretend it. You're better off to hit it head on. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you just got to ease yeah. into it. You know, you got to let it sneak up on you and, yeah, and yeah. then it's still probably going to knock you flat occasionally. So yeah. Yeah. yeah it's funny that, uh, yeah, it, it's done. It's done amazing things for me. As and and so, oh, my head's just. I'm just filling up with all these past experiences <laughs> that that have got me to here. Yeah. But but being a so good being a it's been a great thing to bring the kids here. So having two kids now. Yeah. Which has been, I found very difficult. Frankly, I found sure. very, very yeah. <laughs> especially the second one. Yeah. Um, but. But bringing them here and and giving them a sense of the that space and country and place and all yeah. that sort of stuff and people and community has really been good and really important. Yeah, in a in a world that's filling up with 
iPads and yeah, different stuff like that. Mm. You know. So how how uh, tell me about your fatherhood? You have one daughter. I do. Yeah. yeah so I am a father. You are a yeah, father, and I have a father, and you and, have a father. <laughs> yeah. And it's you know it's a it's a really quite amazing thing. I mean, I guess in my life I you know I was I didn't think I was going to be a father. Yeah, that's you know? a common theme with the yeah. people I've talked to up here. Really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it doesn't surprise me. But, you know, I kind of thought, oh, yeah, there's a, I love kids, and mm. but everyone else has kids, you know? Yes. And uh, I'm happy with that. And then, you know, I found out that my partner at the time was pregnant, and it, I reckon it took me a full two or three milliseconds mm. to get used to the idea. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, oh, oh. Yeah. Oh, okay then. I'm going to be a father. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, four. you know, and you spoke about it a moment ago. It's like flicking that switch that you can't get that experience in any other way. Mm. And this is before she was even born. Yeah. You know, after, after she was born, that was even, you know, I guess it's another step, but that, that conception I think is just as powerful as the, as the birth itself. Yeah. yeah. And, and you really can't, it's one, it's a real classic example of having to dive in. Yeah. To know anything. Yeah. And you just, and well, and, you, and you don't have a choice, you know. Like, yeah. um, well, you're bringing another being into the world, you know. Yeah. It's a, it's a miracle. It really is a miracle, you know. Mm. To, you know, the, the, the miracle of a woman's body to be able to produce another human oh, yeah. being is just incredible. Yeah. And, and the father's role in, you know, in that creation too is, it's just all so beautifully powerful. It is, yeah. but there's a. We've talked a bit about too how that how there there's a difference between the way women. I sort of, I don't know if I envy it or not. Yeah, but <laughs> but there's this connection they're having quite physiologically, obviously through pre- pregnancy, but then also breastfeeding through. Yeah. There's a, there's a hormonal thing that yeah. A lot of the time on our podcast, we've blokes will, will end up talking about those. To- well. You can't help being a bit outside of that. Sure. You know, yeah, you're, yeah, you're we, always, you're just not hormonally connected no. on the same level. Yeah. So you have to be a little bit compassionate and understanding to what's going on there. I guess I took that on as a, a solemn responsibility was to be there to support, you know, the mother. Yeah. In every way she needed because, you know, I recognized that there were things going on that she had no control over. Yeah. yeah. And I saw my role as being. You know, the support person to pick up whatever pieces were being dropped. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, I'm just thinking Miss, Missy's uh, manager said to me when when we, when we, she was pregnant with the first one, mm. his advice to me was that when the baby arrives, like everyone thinks about the approaching the birth, that all you can prepare for is the birth, right? Yeah. And then after that, the whole, you hit the ground running and it all starts then. You don't even yeah. think about that. Mm. But he said in the first bit of time the first few months the first six months the first whatever when the baby's really connected to her yeah. for food for watching her yeah. feed the you know mm-hmm. being able to keep a life going through feeding is extraordinary too but he said you've got to accept that the baby is the rock star yeah <laughs> Yeah. Mum is the manager, right? And you're the shit kicking roadie. Yeah, yeah, that's so, right. You got to pick up so the pieces. Just yeah, just step back. You got to sweep bit. the floor and, yeah. and you know lift the heavy things and yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's what he was getting at was that mm. if you're feeling like you're kind of redundant or you're yeah. not you're not inside mm. the circle totally, yeah. then just do 
what needs to be done. That's right. Do, the, do the stuff. Wash the dishes. Wash the dishes. Chop clean the wood. Light the fire, you do, know. Do all that stuff. Yeah, that's all that. it. And and don't worry too much about it because you're, yeah. you know, the the phase, the chain, the stages change. Yeah. You know, mm. like they'll shift toward you at different times and yeah. back and forth. And mm. and did you? So how old's your daughter now? Oh, she's twenty eight now. Oh wow. Yeah. Right. So you were young too. Well, I was thirty. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Mm. So you, I, I didn't. Are you like sixty now or something? Not yet. Close, somewhere near. <laughs> oh, I still thought you. Were, I thought you were younger than that. There no, you go. Still a few years off sixty. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Actually, I'm fifty eight next week. Fifty eight next week. There you go. Yeah. That's why your mum's here. Yeah, to see you, which is lovely. It's lovely to meet your mum. Yeah. Um, I, I should ask her about you. Sure. Um, but um, yeah. So, so at thirty two. See, I was forty two. Right. I think there's advantages and disadvantages of that. Like I'm, I'm mm. more sort of hardened and yeah. and settled in some of my ways, like being much older. Well, so, there's two different planetary influences going on there too, yeah, just to right. bring this thing <laughs> yes. in as well. I mean, at <coughs> at age 30, everybody mm. has sat and come back to the same place where it was when they were born. Ah. And that's, that's like a, you know, you've completed one lap of Saturn. And there's something that seems to happen for everyone around that time. Wow. Where... Having completed that cycle, you begin a new one. And right. it's like you have a an injection of energy at that time that you can't get in any other way apart mm. from doing one lap of satin. Right, yeah. And at 42, there's something else that happens. Right. What's Uranus that? takes 84 years to go around the sun. I won't make any jokes about it. <laughs> you can make as many as you like. <laughs> I'm already laughing. But, but go on. Yeah. And it goes halfway around in 42 years. Right. And... It is said that the that uh, what's it called Uranus opposition triggers your midlife crisis. Oh right! Yeah. Wow. So both of these are times of uh, you know injection of energies. I guess you mm. could say that you don't have in any other way. And if you look at anyone's life at around those ages, mm. you'll find there's probably something significant that's shifted and changed. And if it hasn't shifted and changed, it probably means those people are stuck. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Mm. So you're. I've sort of become a bit of an astrologer as well as an astronomer. Oh, look. Or I, you've always, yeah. I suppose if you know the, the reality of where things are in the sky, you can't help but make some. That's it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, I've, I'm not an astrologer, but no. I don't have a problem with astrology. No. Uh, I am an astronomer. I'm a practicing astronomer. Mm -hmm. um, but I see those cycles mm. and everything I deal with is about cycles. Mm. You know, the first major and prime cycle that we all live with is the earth turning once a day. Mm. And this is the, you know, it's the simplest cycle that we all think we know. But it's one of my prof most profound tasks at Astro Tours is to tune people into that cycle for a start. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then we've got another cycle with the moon going around the earth and another cycle with the sun, with the earth going around the sun. Mm. And these are all things that we know intellectually. Yeah. But these are things that are very practical things in my life. And they're things that I introduce other people to that seem to become just as powerful in their lives. Yeah, and, and it's the delivering of it in such a practical way that's, like I said before, mm. going out there and seeing you literally show it to us and then yeah. and, and then use um, metaphor and stuff that's very graspable, yeah. which means that when you look back at the sky, you can come back to that knowledge. Yeah. You, you, yeah. It stays with you a bit. Same mm. with the TV when you're using objects and, and you're in the actual countryside in the yeah. bush and down by the river and, and by the river, by the beach. and Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so those sites. So, so, so then if we look yeah. at Saturn and Jupiter, 
uh, Saturn and, and Uranus that I just mentioned. Yeah, yeah. They're just bigger cycles. And because I've been watching it for a long time, I have a, you know, I was going to say a deep understanding of those cycles, but I don't. Mm. It's going to take me many, many more lifetimes before <laughs> I have a full understanding. Mm. And even then, it's, it's, a, it's a growing thing. But, you know, I've had that, the cycles of Saturn and of Uranus consciously in my awareness mm. for, you know, well over 30 years now. So, you know, I've consciously watched Saturn go around the sun at once. Mm. Yeah. Oh, because you've been quite literally looking. I've been quite literally watching it. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So I wonder what the impact then is and from an astrological point of view too. If, you're, if, you're, if you are consciously hooked into this awareness too, yeah. compared to someone who's just going about their day. Yeah. And, and cultures prior to ours mm. being here, yeah. Aboriginal cultures have been super aware of the stars or, and yeah. the night sky all the time. So mm-hmm. that's in your consciousness, the yeah. whole, the stories and the mythology. And, and the, the cycles, yeah. Yeah, and something about actively, active awareness of Yes, it, it is. It's a conscious awareness. Mm. It's choosing to deliberately bring it into your life. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and you know, these are cycles that are going on whether we have an awareness of them or not. Yeah. And if we choose to become aware of them, we can work with them. Yeah, it's like you plug into them a bit. You do. So, yeah. you know, rather than having them run you over, which, you know, a classic example is, is the moon cycle and, and everyone turns into a lunatic at full moon. Right. Yeah. And, and they do. You only have to talk to people in emergency services to know that it's a real thing. Yeah. But what can happen to that full moon time is a high energy time. Yeah. And it'll either knock you over and you'll find yourself going, oh, what's going on with me? And then you go, oh, it's full moon. That's what's going on. Or you can see that full moon coming and you can paddle for the wave of that energy mm. and you can jump to your feet and you can ride that wave. Mm. So it becomes a conscious action, a conscious use of that energy that is with you anyway. Mm. You know, it either, it's either going to dump you and flatten you or you're going to ride that wave. Yeah, it's true. It's, mm. you, you, the power's coming. It's just the how you there. engage with it. That's it's right. interesting to use the, the, the metaphor of the wave because mm. the moon's quite literally... Yep. Dragging the tides in and yeah, out. It is, absolutely. So it's hard to imagine that it is not having other... I mean, that's a really obvious example, isn't yeah. it, of the the effect of orbiting bodies on the Earth mm. to be pulling that tide like, yeah. around. Yeah. So yeah, The video we did last week on um, on uh, stargazing moon and beyond with Brian yeah. Cox. Was, yeah, yeah. I've just, just found out we've had one and a half million views of it or something right. so far. Wow. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's a great... Illustrating it so practically and understandably yeah. with the with the buoy and the rope and the yeah. and this and the and that sense of it literally being pulled around the earth, like mm. like it's like like picking your grabbing your skin between your fingers or something and pulling <laughs> yeah. it round. It's um just so many cycles and indigenous cultures have been aware yeah. of this yeah and uh, and plugged in, into it for I have I forever. mean the, these stars will appear and they know that the the jiggle tree that we're sitting under here right now is flowering. And, right. you know, the gubbage plums, which there's one over here behind us, is they're going to have fruit. And, mm-hmm. you know, it'll tell you when the stingrays are fat and when it's time to go and hunt goanna and mm. when it's time to go and catch salmon. All of these are, are signs that you can see in the sky. Well, and when you think about it, when, when people's entire kind of cultural lineage has been in one has been focusing on a location. So, for example, a waterhole that's important to a group yeah. of people, right? Mm. So when I was on Bunaba country with 
Dylan Andrews and this waterhole yeah. that his ancestors have been connected with for yeah. potentially 40,000 years. Yeah. Like, what non-Aboriginal person can say that they have mm. unbroken kind of connection and, and story and understanding of a, of a physical location like a waterhole for that long? Because we've come out of Europe and yeah. all the places we've come from have been Brutalized and yeah, pillaged, and we've, we've plundered each other, and we've yeah. ripped things apart. Mm. We've gone overseas. We've moved here. Like we've got this horribly huge history of trauma. Surely, yeah. well, surely I'm there's sure some there's, trauma in yeah. our bones from that, as well as what's mm. been done to Aboriginal people. If you want to go way back, yeah. Well, know, even then, you know, probably what they did to each other was yeah. They probably had all that going on too. Yeah, we, I mean, we have a pretty d- dark history everywhere. Yeah, uh, when you when we you do. go back I mean, far as, enough as humans, it's mm. uh, you know. Killing each other's been a, a pretty common theme, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. <laughs> and you know, let's hopefully we're we're reaching a stage where we don't need to do that anymore. But you know, certainly there's it hasn't quite stopped. No, and, and but but those who think that that the world, particularly the Western world, is getting worse, yeah, need to do a little bit of history <clears throat> in yeah. terms of you know like violence and yeah and and. I mean, it depends how you look at it. Obviously, mm. there's there's spiritual problems and there's 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 environmental problems and all that. But on a, just in the way we get along and behave towards each other, uh, it'd be is nice nowhere. to be nice to each other, wouldn't it'd it? Be nice to be nice to each other, but we're not as brutal as we once were. That's right. You know, like yeah. So there's progress. Proper brutality back. <laughs> Head on, you know. I just yeah. saw the the practical things that needed doing for a start, and mm. um, to me, a part of that practical thing was communication with this brand new being. Yeah. Yeah, mm. and uh, tuning in and being aware of her needs as a as a baby that's totally dependent. Mm. Yeah, was this before you came up here? No, this is in Broome. Oh, this was in Broome. Yeah, I'd been in Broome for oh, nearly ten years, I guess, before I had a child. Oh, right. Yeah, right, right. Mm. And and did it radically change your outlook? Do you remember that, or did you just kind of? Oh, I think it was more affirm- just a. Yeah, just affirmed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I saw a great honour in being a father mm. and bringing a being into the world and having that responsibility. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and then I guess I ran into a few hurdles because I split up with a mother and, mm. um, you know, that became a bit of a... Uh, well, I had to, I had to make a real effort. To, yeah. to keep contact because her mother was trying to stop that. Right. So yeah. I had five years in the family court. Oh, right. To fight for my rights to be a father. Yeah. Which was, you know, I wouldn't have done it any other way. But you know, yeah, there's there's no way as in in Western Australia that you can win as an unmarried father. Yeah. Right. You know, basically you're just a scumbag. Yeah. And um, that became very clear to me that. The court system was absolutely and totally flawed mm. when it came to looking after children, yeah. even, even though its stated objectives were to in the best in- interests of the children, and that certainly wasn't the case in in what I saw. So I ended up having a back way way out of that family court system, and uh, I guess allow my daughter to find her own feet, mm. and come to me and she and she did because it mm. was a connection that was really strong right from birth yeah and as much as there were forces that were trying to stop that connection it it just got stronger yeah yeah 
Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Because once kids get to a certain, they're going to be an, of an independent age too right. at some point yeah. and have a more of a say in yeah. where they go. And if you can keep your, mm. well, you know, because so many people break up, have divorces and stuff, and, and they can spend a lot of time fighting and arguing. And mm. when that connection to their kids can keep growing strongly, if they, like, you know, in the long run, if mm. the relationship's good with the kid, they yeah. might not have them for a while or you might have limited yeah. access to them, but mm. they'll come. Oh, each got so that I just had to back out of that fight, you know. It's yeah. like, okay, I can see that, I can see that there's no justice in this system mm. and that the, they're not going to do anything to help my child. Mm. So it was like, okay, I'm not going to play in that system anymore. And how did you cope with that? Was that, was it, must oh, it was have been really difficult. difficult. It was one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life is to do mm. nothing. Yeah. Yeah. To let it, let it be. Was Just it, was your rationale? Did, so you consciously were aware that there would be a time. Is that, yeah. is that how oh, you kind of did it? Absolutely. There will be a time in future yep. where, yeah. And I knew, I knew that, um, my daughter was strong enough in herself mm. to help make that happen too. Yeah. Yeah. And she did. She, you know, she made, she insisted that she come and see her father. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and, and was that, so then, was it okay after that? I suppose at a certain age they can't. No one can do anything anyway. No, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they kids know what's going on all the time. Yeah, you know, it's funny, isn't it? It's is really funny. Yeah, kids know exactly what's going on, and uh, you know, there's no hiding anything from them. And they're more resilient too. Yeah. And I mean, mm. people do a lot of protecting their children from what's going on with them or whatever. Yeah, and as and you said, first of all, they know. They know. And second of, of all, do. if you're mm. if you're loving them, yeah, and you you're and they trust that. Yeah. Then I think they can kind of. Yeah, they can get through whatever they, can they get need it to. Through anything. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And as you say, they eventually take their independence and, you know, make their own choices. And, and I, I guess the influence that we have on them, you know, it, um, you know, I had to make sure that even if I couldn't be physically present, I was still going to be a good father. Yeah. 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 And I was going to be that example that I wanted my daughter to see. Yeah. Yeah. So how does that kind of play out? How does that manifest? Beautifully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So well. But I mean, do you, yeah. do you, you mean by, could you stay in contact at all though? Oh, there were times when, uh, it was more difficult than others. Yeah. Yeah. But by being a, by being a solid person, I suppose. That's right. And being a, yep. uh, an ethical and sort of yep. all that sort of yeah. stuff. Being, you, being the father that I wanted my daughter to see. Yes, even yeah. if she can't see it all the time. That's right. Yeah, yeah. that's that's a good point. Yeah. Mm. So you're still engaged. Absolutely. Just just not yeah. practically as I well. mean, I guess there's always been an energetic connection between my daughter and I. Yeah. Well, you know, to the sense. point where you know, I can remember the first day she was born, there was um she was lying in a cot and started to cry and all I did was reach out to her with, with my mind mm. and she quietened. Mm. Yeah. So there's always been that level of communication that we've had. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and then she's because she's been up here a few. I've been here when she's been here. She yeah. still comes. She yeah, comes here sure. a lot, right? Yeah. Well, she was born in Broome. Yeah. Um, and she lived her first fourteen years in Broome. Yeah. Uh, and then she went away to boarding school, mm -hmm. which was her way of kind of um, taking that independence mm. from a situation that probably wasn't exactly how she wanted it to be. Yeah. And at the time, I guess I. 
you know, I it wasn't my choice for her to go away to school. Mm. I would much rather her come and stay with me, but that would have been probably too difficult between her and her mother then. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, to go off to school, in hindsight, was a great decision for her. Yeah. Because she met great people. Yeah. That she still knows. Yeah. And, you know, in that boarding school system, you've got kids from all over the country, and so she's got those connections it's interesting, the boarding school thing, because there's, there's very mixed feelings yeah. about it. And with the people, like Missy's went to Geelong Grammar, as, yeah. and they um, there's there's certainly good and bad aspects to it, but there's a lot of really empowering stuff too yeah. about independence. Yeah. And, mm. yeah. Well, I think she, you know, she had a particularly good group of friends in Broome and mm. that she made uh, and boarding school too. Yeah. And they're all still... You know, they all went to each other's 18ths and 21sts and now weddings and, yeah. and now, um, one of her, one of her, uh, groups of friends were getting married and they decided they wanted her to be the, the celebrant. So she's now become a celebrant and she's, <laughs> she's doing weddings for. <clears throat> oh, right. She did it specifically for that. Yeah. She <laughs> right. did. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. now she's, you know, she's booked up to do weddings for a lot of her mates. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Mm. And so how did your, because I know that when I when we had the kids, it, it it opened up all sorts of stuff about myself. Like they show you where your limits are, where yeah. your issues are. They that they're going to teach you whether you want to be taught or not, right? Yeah. Um. So, and I thought a lot about my own father. Yeah. And I connected with him a bit more and talked to him a bit more, and there was lots of um. I have a lot more appreciation. For what they got right, yeah, than what they may or may not have gotten wrong. Yeah. Like the kids always think yep. certain things were done wrong, or whatever. You can't get away from that. But but I appreciate the the time spent and that. Con- like you were saying, it, it, even uh, there's a connect when when kids know they're connected. Yeah, well, they didn't I mean, have. We an inst- always knew that. Yeah, and yeah. they didn't have an instruction manual either. No, I know exactly. Figuring it out as they go, you know. Yeah, making I'm, their mistakes along the way. And. Yeah, I'm getting this picture of them now, of Dad when he was 24 yeah. or 25, and and me, I, I, I've I've gone back to that time in great detail with them, right? And what it was like for them, yep. and their relationship, and their and it's fascinating. Wow. And I have incredible empathy for them, yep. And incredible, uh, I think they did amazing things. Yeah. To it's quite That's astounding. So and so, how did you? Did, how did that? How did you? Did, how did that make you think about your upbringing? Your your father, for example. Yeah. Did you Did you have a good relationship with your father? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and still do. Yeah. Yeah, both my mother and father. I mean, they split mm. up when I was fifteen. Yeah, same as me. Yeah. Yeah, right. Same age. Yeah. And um, but you know, I maintained a good relationship with both of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was. You know, I guess you could say I was brought up in. I'd call it probably pretty strict. Yeah, you know, you you didn't answer back, and you you behaved yourself, and you did as you were told, and yeah, and if you stepped out of that, you knew there was consequences, right? But you know, I guess that's the era that I was brought up in too. It's, yeah, that's uh, you know, you were allowed to smack your kids then, and you did, mm. <laughs> and it didn't hurt any of us. You know, it was just what you know. I, I guess sometimes I thought, no, I didn't need that. That's was that was wrong, but mm. you know, I got through it, and it was okay. Yes, there's we we have. It's swung the other way to quite an extreme now. Yeah. In that 
there's this big difficulty with about with how to discipline kids or whether to discipline yeah. kids, how to help them to flourish and yeah. express themselves, but also give them boundaries. Absolutely, it's, it's very complex. Yeah, and, well, I, you know, I, I liken it to child abuse. If you don't discipline your child, yeah, I would call that child abuse. Well, ex- yeah, because exactly. you're not giving them the values. That's right. Yeah, and they and they're testing. I was talking about it with Richard yesterday. They they really, especially boys, but they shriek out. Yeah. For a boundary, they do, and they'll do these outrageous things, yeah. which are pleading with you to show them. Yep, and you can show them in a way that's not cruel yeah. and nasty, for sure. But you have to be clear about it. Yeah, um, and and not withdraw the love. No, that's the difference. Yes. I think I think a lot of people now equate strong boundary making with with cruelty or dr- love withdrawal. And, yeah. But I think it's that swing from yeah. they saw the. The mm. ways of doing things in the past, and there were good and bad things yeah. about it. And so some of it was more brutal than necessary. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, mm. that's. But yeah, the kids are. You're right. They're looking for those clear boundaries. They're looking for that strong guidance. And yes, and uh, it's our job to give it to them, even if it hurts us to do it. That's it. It's yeah. us. We're we're the ones that are avoiding. The suffering and the responsibility, yeah. I think, sometimes. And, and I guess that's about our own childhood as much as anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We've mm. all got these memories and and we're all shaped by our childhood and yep. we've, we've played certain stories to ourselves about childhood, yeah. good and bad. Mm. And, uh, no, I think that – did you always think that was the case about uh, about boundary setting, that, that, it was, that, that it was of that much importance? Yeah, I, I really do. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, it's – I guess it's easy to say sitting here as a parent of one child mm. because, you know, watching you and Missy have kids and watching Richard have kids and, mm. and seeing that each one of those kids is totally different. Yeah. And so, you know, I guess you can't make a, a hard and fast rule about how to do that either. Yeah. You've got to, you know, you've got to see every situation for what it is and yeah, and make a fresh decision every time. and Yeah. But well, you know, it doesn't that, mean you go flip flop, flip flop, and the kid no. kid learns your flip flops, and and the kid works you <laughs> against yourself. So you know you got to be able to see that that's happening too. Because they're criminal geniuses as well. Oh yeah, they? yeah, they'll figure it out. Yeah, if, you, and if that, you show them a weakness, and yeah, they'll exploit it. No worries at all. That's like we've started talking about with the the. You, it's it's a big important job, but there's no rule book you've just thrown <laughs> straight in. But there's a million fucking books out there trying to tell you that there's yeah. ways to do it, and mm. I get really baffled by that. And I yeah. and I and I, my impulse is to not read them. Yeah. Though there's things, there's interesting things in there. You've got to be very conscious that every situation's so different. Yeah. Mm. Otherwise, you'll get into terrible guilt spirals. And yeah. 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 Yeah, I think I read. Yeah, I read quite a few of the books as well. And, mm. you know, some of them would make you think this, and then you'd read another one and it'd make you think that instead. And yeah, and then I think I read one that said, "Well, you do whatever works." And I went, "Oh, yeah, that's the one." <laughs> That'll do. <laughs> well, because you could also argue, right? Yeah. That any mistakes you make mm. or inadvertent suffering you cause to your children, yeah, is part of what they will use to build character as adults. Oh, yeah, I for mean, sure. Yeah. Part of growing up mm. is coming to terms with your upbringing and seeing it for what it is and yeah. not dwelling on shit that was – it's like, look, mm. I know now, being a parent, how difficult it is. I can look at my parents and go, yeah. my God, yeah. my brother rang up and cried and apologised to my mother when he had kids, I think. Right. <laughs> it was like, I don't know how you did it you yeah. know, when things were tough. Yeah. 
Mm. It's such an important uh, thing to get. Yeah. Well, no matter what happens in your life, you do have to get over it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but one of one of Paul Kelly's songs is one of my favourites. It's called mm. Stumbling Block. Right. Stumbling Block. You know, you got to get around it. You got to get over it. Build, get a ladder, and climb over it. And you know, all of those sort of things. That, People have that with their parents a lot. You know, there's a yeah. lot of unresolved stuff with parents, and I and I think. Uh, a lot of that does get cleared up when you have kids because you, you just suddenly go, uh-huh. you sort of come over the hill and go, oh, shit, <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> so they, a bit of this, a bit of that, I, I mean, God, yeah. how they didn't just, you know, throw us out the window is, is extraordinary, yeah. you know. Well, you know, you want to be able to put them in the freezer every now and then or you know, find <laughs> where the off switch is and it just, I know, I know. It just isn't one. No, exactly. Yeah. And, it's, and it seems cosmic. Yeah. You know, these connections you're talking about and these cycles yeah. with the planets, like it seems like they're, it's, they're sent. I think you're right. To, uh, yeah. you know, let sent, you know. Yeah, sent, sent to finish off something that you might have started before. Yeah. Yeah. So what do people do if, they've, if they haven't got kids? Because you can't go saying to people that don't or choose not to have kids or whatever that they're going to be deficient or with, left without. But <laughs> I don't know. But, but <laughs> it's... Yeah, it's it's a hard one, isn't it? Well, it's just the life choice you make, and it's the life choice you make. But I wonder sometimes how some of those people are going to um, figure some some stuff out if they aren't knocked back into their place by children. Well, if you get what just, I mean, yeah, it's just their job to do it that it's way. Their job they this time around, and maybe yeah. next time around they'll do something else. Yeah, yeah. I just don't want to be that parent that's you know <laughs> patronising to non. Uh, to non-parents. Non-parents, you know. Yeah, well, you could do that. Maybe that's what they need too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if that's the role you got to play. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a great conversation with Will about his father, um, because he's not a father, as you know. Yeah. But, but he went back to Wales to, for when his father was dying yep. and spent that week or something with him mm. in the house. Yeah. was there and, and how extraordinary that was. Yeah. That, that, that thing between... Fathers and sons and and parents, you know. Yeah. Um, Tell people too, you know, they start off just absolutely amazing mm. and then they just get better all the time. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and, and you just don't know what's going to wear it. No. What it's going to do. No, what they're going to do and what they're going to bring to you and what challenges you're going to get from that yourself and, yeah, you know, what, what you're going to be able to share with them and what they're going to be able to teach you as well. There's all of these things. Tell me, have, have you had any specific th- times that you can think of where you've, you've really felt strongly about something she's been doing and, and you've wanted to intervene but you've had to sort of stop yourself? Because I was talking to someone about that and, mm. and how there's a skill to knowing how much to yeah. impose your – well, you can see them heading toward a hole. Yeah. But that hole could be a growth experience yeah. mm. or it could kill them. Yeah. So how do you, have you? I think you have to let them. Yeah? Yeah. I so, mean, you can, I think the guidance that we give our kids is probably, I mean, I've heard it said that they're going to get all of their values from you in the first seven years. Mm. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so after that, you know, you basically, you know, well, you know, you've got to, um, you got to feed and clothe them and all that in those first years of dependence. And then I guess you got to nurture them emotionally as they grow into emotional beings. And, yeah. and then we nurture their intellect as well. And, and these are all stages of growth that all of us have been through. Mm. That, you know, as a parent, we, we are 
whether we know how to do it or not, we get to guide that process. Yeah. And then I think there comes a time when, hey, you just got to let them do it their own way. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, talking to me as a, as a, with a, as a grown up or with a grown up daughter. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's where I came to probably a long time ago. I, I saw her pretty much take her independence at 14. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she was making decisions that were affecting her life at 14 that I had no control over. Um, and, yeah, you know, in hindsight, I look back and I go, yeah, it was right. Right. Yeah. So you were conscious of that and, and you, you, so therefore you were able to let her discover stuff herself and not yeah. kind of preempt. Yep. Well, you know, certainly um, the life that I live, mm. you know, I guess I wanted to see that she would know that that was an example of what she could do too. Mm. And she has. Yeah. You know, I, I see a lot of the things, a lot of the values that I have in life reflected in her, but also her own uh, decision process to reach there. Mm. Yeah. So not something that I impose, but something that I can show her a way of living, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's a funny thing, isn't it? It's paradoxical because on one hand, you're so responsible for them. Yeah. But on the other hand, you you know, they're mm. themselves and yeah. it's you're just got to try and stop them from dying or, well, that's or, right. or just you know, yeah. grab them if they're yep. literally falling in the hole. That's right. If they're falling off a cliff, you grab yeah. them and pull them back again and maybe give them a smack around the ear while you're at it mm. or not, you know? Yeah. yeah. Pay, pay off the bikers, as is the term in my family, What's that? due to an incident where someone was bailed out. Really? <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes fathers are called on to pay off the bikers are they? You know, or, or, or something like that when their kids are in trouble. Like, yeah, right. There's, there's certain times where you just, something yeah. is very serious. And, um, but I, I suppose I, I'm a, I'm still in this, they're also, they're both so young at the moment yes. yeah. and, and they're real personalities and they're in that stage where they're just super dependent and also incredibly defiant yeah. and complex and difficult and mm -hmm. nebulous. They're like this big swirling yeah. cloud of emotions. Mm. And I, yes, I can't, it's, it's, I, I feel super responsible for them because they're so volatile yeah. or, and vulnerable at this stage, but, and I have, and I'm yet to see their, yeah. their kind of, um, yeah, you just got to stop them from dying for now. For now, I've got to yeah. stop them from dying. <laughs> <laughs> So that was my first conversation with Quickie in his um, front yard, in his veggie garden. But then when I realised we were going to be heading home a bit earlier than expected, I thought, I'm not quite, I'm not, I haven't quite got this stuff sorted out. So I said to him, can you talk to me on the day before we fly out? And he said, come to the beach at six o'clock in the morning and I'll be there. So this is that second interview with Quickie. Fantastic. Here we go. James was talking about how they the, the kids get to um, – because we were talking about uh, boundaries and all that sort of stuff that people have to set up in the city, like, like yeah. to, to clearly let kids know about certain stuff. And he was saying how the, the country up where he is on the peninsula does that for him a bit. Yeah. Because the kids have been going out with the um, the Bardi people since they were babies and, yeah. and they, they gradually kind of venture onto the rocks – and on and and spear fishing and doing yep. stuff and they and you know you get little they bang up against the environment <laughs> for sure gradually yeah so you can't bring your city kids and just throw them in at Kimberley 
well, you necessarily could. But, you could. <laughs> but, uh, there might be yeah, there might be a injuries. bit of blood and stuff like yeah. that. But, you know, these things are important. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I've been bush. You know, I remember working on farms down south one year and this American was working with us and he was wearing his cowboy boots and all that sort of thing and, you know, we all kind of laughed at him a bit. And, yeah. And we were going for a swim in the dam. So he had to take his boots off. Oh, and just watching him walking around on the ground with his bare feet, <laughs> we just cracked up laughing because, you know, his feet were just not adapted at all. And Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, that, you know, Australians, we're used to walking around bare feet everywhere. And yeah. If you kick your foot or you get a scrape or something, that's just part of life as well. Yeah, yeah. 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 Feet on the ground. Yeah. Um, we're sitting, so what I've come down to meet Cricky at the beach, at Cable Beach, where it's like 6.30 or something in the morning, and you do your, you do, you come down in the mornings and do some do some tuning in do some tuning in yeah some meditating sure. yeah i thought i needed to reconnect and kind of get my power back a bit because I, I i just sort of feel like i've lost it because broom sort of gave me so much and yeah and in this sort of whirlpool of having the kids and stuff and and the the trying to get it right that modern parents do whatever <laughs> yeah, the fuck that means right. you exactly know? it's crazy and and yeah and you can spend all this time just trying to organise them. Yeah. And and the overriding message I've been getting from parents up here is about just stepping back a bit. Yeah. Well, it's not even a message. We just ended up talking about it. How yeah. it's it's us that's fussing around, mm. and what and all that stuff. And and we just need to try. Yeah. To step back from them a little bit because they've they know about the dirt and the ground and yeah. their feet on the ground. These kids get out. My kids are out in the Pindan. Yeah. They go rusty red. Yeah, for sure. Within Absolutely. about 25 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm worrying about where we're going to go, what we're going to do. Yeah. They're just happy in the dirt. Well, I spent about an hour with Sammy in, in your sand pit yesterday. Oh, you did, yeah. And it was great. You know, we were playing with the water and, yeah. you know, he's trying to boss me around and I'm going, no, hang on, I'm the boss. Oh, no, I'm the boss. No, no. And, you know, if you can't pick up something that your mother wants you to pick up, then you can't be the boss. Right. Because you've got to know how to pick things up as well. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, we had a great discussion and mucking around with sand and water and, yeah. I'm, you know, that's another thing. When, when I've got all the, you guys up here that I, I, I don't have many strong relationships with kind of, with men and older men and yeah. and sort of, um, and it's a great opportunity to let the kids, you, you guys kind of influence them as oh, well. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It, and, and which is so important yeah. and, and that's what they've all been on about and Richard's yeah. been on about that it's important to have well men and women that you that you trust that you can just ha- let them help to bring up the kids yeah because Sammy's going to talk to you in ways that he won't he won't answer me that's right you know? I mean Sammy and I got a thing going on we always have had and, yeah right you know and he's a bit wary of me for a start because you know I don't take his crap but that's exactly, and he should be, you yeah. Know? Because he, he but he likes be... that I don't take it too. Yep. You know, he comes up and he fully engages with me. Yeah. 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 That's great. And yeah, I, I take that. I see that role as a, a very vital one. Yeah. You know, and and I'm delighted to to play a you know a father of sorts. Yep. For lots of kids, and right. and of course that's the blackfellow way around here. Right. You know, yeah. your uncles and that are all your fathers. Yeah. So you know, even though I have a daughter of my own. I have other daughters in this town too, but, right. um, you know, I'll call them my daughter and they'll call me their father. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I take that role seriously and yet, you know, I'm not in their life all the time, but, uh. See, right there, a conscious understanding of that would help 
individual parents mm. to let to calm down a bit to fucking calm down. Yeah, just to, you know, like if they go, we're all we're all yeah, there. Yeah. Just knowing that, all right, Quickie's there. He's he's going to give him a certain yeah thing to to bump up against and and negotiate with. And I might and, do a bit of bumping up against. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tend to do that. I heard about the car, the sand throwing, the sand throwing yeah. in the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had to drop him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad you guys weren't watching. Yeah. Because yes. he might have spat it otherwise. Exactly. And he didn't spit it. He just looked at he looked at me. It was like, oh, oh, I better pay attention here. There's something yeah. going on. And when you say dropped him, you didn't <laughs> knock him out. It sounds like you punched him out. <laughs> you just kind of no, pushed him over. I pushed him onto the ground. Because you told him. Yep. I got to his stop attention. Doing that. Yeah, I didn't hurt him or anything. No, but just, I, I got his attention by pushing him onto the ground. Yeah, yeah. cause and effect. Yep. In the world. <laughs> you want to throw sand again? Do it again. Come on. We'll see what's going to happen. <laughs> now, see, and you can do that. Yeah. In a way that I can't do that. Yeah, and you're right. And, and it's, it won't mean the same thing with me. Well, see, each one of us has a relationship with with everyone that's different. Mm. You know, you got your relationship with Sammy. He's going to get what he's what he needs in life that only you can give him. Yeah, and it's the same with me. I mean, he's for brief moments in my life too, Mm-mm. but he's definitely a part of my family as mm. as you are. Yeah. Yeah. That's so a, in those moments, it's up to me to be really authentic with him. And, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it, authentic. And yeah. you're not loaded up with the same kind of uh, sort of noise. It seems to me that parents can get stuck in noise. Yeah. It's, it's, it's much easier, mm. perhaps, to, uh, get, to, to get caught in all the voices that you perceive to be pulling you from one direction to the other, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, there are. Yeah. I mean, you... You're bombarded from all sides, aren't you? With yeah. this is how you should do it, and that's what you should do, and you shouldn't do this, and blah blah blah. And at the mm. end of the day, you got to figure it out for yourself. Well, exactly, and we're not reminded of that uh, as yeah. much. I, I think I, I just was thinking of um, a well-known baby boomer around here, uh, the Queen. Uh-huh. I refer to her, you know. I'm yeah, trying to, I do. Um, said the other day at dinner, and this is because this. When my generation compare raising children to our parents, the baby boomers bringing us up, yeah, and we think, God, how did they manage it with everything going on? You know, they were mm. trying to be hippies. They were trying to be to, to birth the counterculture. At least my parents were. Right. And I said, and I missed it. Did they? Yeah, They're a bit older. No, they were just. I grew they up in Southwest WA. WA, and it didn't yeah. happen. <laughs> it didn't happen. <laughs> the sixties didn't happen. In WA. Well, you know, the sixties didn't happen for most people. Yeah. You know, most of it, as I joked in that play, that it, they happened yeah. in a studio like the Lunar Landing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but for most people, it didn't happen. But you know, and and I think they did an amazing job. But this this well known baby boomer I'm talking about, she said, "Oh well, when Richard got difficult, I just gave him a nice big spoon, a uh, tablespoon of Finergan." <laughs> right. What's Fenergan? You're going to have to tell me. Fenergan's an antihistamine that's that's also a a sleep inducing drug. Yeah, right. It's quite strong. People take yep. it on. Mm. They give it. They used to give it to kids on long haul flights. Yeah. To put them to sleep. Mm. And I've taken Fenergan and it just fucking knocks you out. Right. To, to, to me, it does. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, that's funny. The seventies was all about Fenergan. Yeah. Un. Un. un <laughs> Unapologetic for me, and then I yeah. went, "Well, shit!" They had far less books telling them the many ways they're going to ruin their children. Yeah, 
they had Finnegan that they used liberally. <laughs> right. Their parents, the mm. kind of the 50s parents, just put brandy in sure. bottles or yeah. dipped dummies. The, the point is that they, they just, that was okay to do things and they could yeah. just backhand them. Well, I guess it We're would... not allowed to hit them now. We're no, not allowed to drug them. crazy. You know? And... I mean, I guess it would save the urge of, you know, putting them in the freezer every now and then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where's the off switch? You know? Well, exactly. I mean, we don't have this, this thing yeah. that they had. So they did have those things. And, and mm. God knows we don't want to start doing that again. No. But... Yeah. But, you know... Let's let's put it in perspective here, because you get the odd grandparent who'll tell you how to raise, you know. For sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, everyone's it's, it's got no an problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, so, everyone's got an opinion and the way they think it should be. And, yeah. And, um, you know, I guess you do. You, you've just got to figure it out for yourself. I know when, when my Lizzie was little, um, you know, because you do, you end up being sleep deprived and all that sort of yeah. thing and trying to figure it out and you read this book and you read that book and... And I think I eventually read a book that, that said, just do what works. Mm. And it was like, oh, oh, well, that's just, that's really easy. Do mm-hmm. what works. And I think it was to do with, um, you know, sleeping at the time and, and she wouldn't sleep unless she was in our bed. And, and that was kind of, some book said, don't do that. Another book says, yeah, do that. Yeah. And, you know, when it said do what works, it was like, well, have her in the bed works. So she's going in the bed. Right. Yeah. And that's what mm. we did. Doesn't make it right or wrong, but <clears throat> it worked. And it'll be okay. Yeah. It's going to work out. Yeah. And, and you know, and that's what I was, I was, I got here a bit before, no, you were sitting in the dunes, squatting in the dunes, uh, <laughs> meditating and I got here and I didn't see you and I walked down to the water and um, put my feet in and stood there and, and sort of just let, just had a little think about that and how, how it's going to, you know, it's just going to be all right. You've just yeah. got to yeah. let go a little bit. Hmm. Um, and no, he's he's great, Sammy. He's such a sharp kid. Yeah, he's onto it. Yeah. yeah, and he's you know he'll. Kids are really great at working their parents as well. Yes, well, and sometimes right. the parents don't know that they're being worked. No, so whereas you as a as a as an outsider as, as an outer yeah. father, yeah, a kind of a, a a further removed father, can just see what's happening oh, for I can what see it, it is straight up. Yeah. You don't have see. I have this <laughs> stuff jumping in my head like, oh my God, what's going on with him and what's yeah. all this stuff? Yeah. yeah. No, he's working now. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Do you know the other day he was, he was just, he was with grandpa yeah. when they were up here mm. and he, he was fighting everything. Yeah. Wouldn't get in the car seat, screaming, no, nah, don't, you know, just mm. wouldn't get in, wouldn't get out, wouldn't yep. blah, blah, blah. And he kept going and grandpa kept his cool and, and Sammy just apparently stopped and said, I'm trying to make you angry. <laughs> yeah. Sure. And, uh, and Grandpa said, "Well, it's not going very well, is it?" And I thought, oh, shit. "Good on you, Grandpa." Yeah. And I just see Grandpas can do that a bit more. Yeah. But, but that's that's mm. it's those moments when well, that's a good insight for you exactly. You know that he's trying to make you angry. The bugger showed his hand. Yeah, he did. And and Grandpa yeah. told me about it. <laughs> good. It's like, shit. Good. Yeah. Can yeah. I remember that. No, no. He's. I can see him doing that for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's crafty. Yeah, he's a really sharp kid. Yeah, oh, yep. well, that's good to hear. Because, mm. of course, when you're he, a parent... He, he doesn't miss a trick. He sees everything. He is everything. I told you about the mushrooms, didn't I? No. Should I talk about it on the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I found I found magic mushrooms in the in the forest near us, and I was talking... Oh, you did tell me about, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just... 
and I was going, oh, I've never picked them before or done anything like that. And, yeah. and I just I thought, I wonder if that's them. And, of course, I squeezed the stem and they went blue, which yeah. is the sign. Mm. Anyway, I was telling Missy about how I'd found something in the forest. Yeah. And I, he wasn't even in the room as far as I know. Yeah. And I got to kinder a week, two weeks later. I yeah. went to pick him up from kinder and, <laughs> and the kinder teacher said, uh, Sammy today told me that his dad picks mushrooms that turn blue. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yep. And I went, oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> Here we go. And uh, yeah. he had a laugh and I had a laugh. But, yeah, they, they, he's, yeah. they hear everything. They, do. they pick everything yep. up. They so do. And even from, you know, even in the womb, mm. they got the whole lot going on. Yeah. You know, it's a, a great little book. I think, what was his name? Frederick Laboya or someone like that wrote about the life of a child in the womb. Ah, oh, right. And the awareness that's there already. Yeah. And I, I don't know whether I got that book early or whether I already innately knew to talk to to my Lizzie mm. while she was still in the womb. Yeah. Yeah. I had an impulse to do that too yeah. a little bit. You yeah, know? it's kind of, yeah. you know, yeah. you've created a life there already and it's growing in the womb. And Yes, and it's in this place that's very, it's a limited world in there. So it's it's mm. it's secure and it's safe and it's in the, it's, it's the yeah. most sort of, it's the ultimate insecurity, you know. It's it's cushioned in there and yeah. and and just doing its thing, developing yeah. until you're ready to bust out of there. Until you're ready to bust <laughs> out, and then the, the shock begins. Yeah, that's it. Well, it can be a shock, and it and you wonder about it, that, don't you? About yeah. birth and what? oh, for sure, got to be yeah, full on. Yeah, birth's a um, you know, it's our single most traumatic event mm. in our life, mm. and there's this stuff called rebirthing or breath therapy that mm. that um, you know, a part of the, well, the the main tenet of that is that you actually go back and clear that birth trauma. Right. Yeah. 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 Because mm. you didn't, yeah, you didn't know. Yeah. Because, you know, we get born and then everyone in the room's waiting for us to breathe and while, they, while they're waiting for you to breathe, they're all holding their breath. Right. So they're not setting you any example of what breathing is. That's right. And they're getting more and more panicked at the same time. So they're giving you the example of panic. Mm-hmm. And then when you don't breathe, eventually they pick you up by the legs and smack you on the ass, <laughs> and you take your first breath, which is a scream. Yeah. And then every breath you ever take in your life after that, you associate with that pain. Right. And so you tend oh, to... Oh, God. Yeah. So you tend to spend a lot of time holding your breath. Can you tell us a little bit again about... I remember you talking to me about, speaking of breath, mm. and, and the, we take it for granted... And it's a big deal. And your your diving experience? Oh yeah. With when you were pearl diving when you you know, here. Yeah. And you, you were telling me about it about not being able to get to the surface or something. Yeah, so, I mean so how does Yeah. I, and and talking about, you know, breath therapy and that, I think divers do it naturally. Right. Because you you actually consciously have to take a breath when you're underwater. And you consciously have to blow that breath out again. Right, right. So yeah. it's a very conscious, and that's what you know. The tenets of this breath therapy is too is to. Well, that's to, meditation too. Isn't it, it is. It's a type of breath. meditation, most yeah. most certainly. Yeah. And divers, you know, we do it as a just a part of what we do. Yeah. Um, to stay alive when you're underwater. Yeah. So it's like a natural purging of that of those energies that get contained by the the breath being held. Mm. I guess divers have a, a natural way of mm-hmm. of doing that. But yeah, I mean, diving in the in the nineteen eighties in Broome was a pretty um, 
wild and rough and ready game. Mm-hmm. And you know, I remember the first dive I ever did was a sort of a test dive. The head diver and myself went down. He's watching me. I'm watching him to make sure that everything's cool. And and we get down there. We're about fifty or sixty feet down. And uh, next thing you know, I'm trying to suck air through my regulator, and it's getting tight. And it's like there's you know there's no air. And I look mm-hmm. over at him, and he's looking at me. And I went, you know, you point to your reg. There's no air. He went, yep. I said let's go up. He said, yep, let's go up. And there's this technique that you have to do if you're diving on compressed air when you go up called a free ascent. Mm. Because if you're breathing compressed air at depth and you go to the surface, that compressed air that's in your lungs expands Mm. and it pops your lungs. Yeah. Mm. And you've got no nerves or anything in your lungs to let you know that that's happening. Mm. So you have to consciously do what's completely unnatural, which is to blow your air out as you're going up. Right. Because you don't want to do that. You, th- you know, oh, your brain look. goes, oh, no, I need that air. And the air's all the way up there, and I need to get up there to get more air. So, you know, you have to actually do that unnatural thing of blowing mm. your air out all the way up. So, yeah, that became a common part of my life as a, as a pearl diver because we had these seven-horsepower Honda motors, which were designed to run on standard fuel, mm. and you couldn't buy standard above the 26 parallel at the time. Right. So we ran them on super which meant that they burnt out exhaust valves. So these right. compressors would just stop. Oh, and there'd be two divers down in the boat and nobody in the boat to start the compressor again. So free ascents were just a part of our day. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I must have done a hundred of them at least. Oh, yeah. Wow. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty crazy stuff. And so, you, but you, you had a particular experience too you would, of, of having to take breath underwater with no air i did yeah i mean some of those free ascents were hairier than others and yeah. um i actually did reach a point once where i got about for 10 feet from the surface and and i thought i'm not going to make it you know i'm not going to get there yeah and um i pretty much just surrendered and went okay this is it so i either turn into a fish or yeah suck the suck water in like i was breathing it yeah it was the easiest thing ever to do. Yeah. It was so easy. And in the, you know, and I thought, okay, I'm surrendering, I'm gone, that's it. Okay. And then the next minute I busted to the surface and yeah. just spat all of this water out, just pretty much um, projectile vomited all this water out. Right, yeah. And coughed and spluttered and <laughs> yeah. And I was right, I had air again. But, but that initial taking into that water was just the easiest thing ever. Yeah, that's mm. amazing. Yeah. So you you're at that point where you just there is no choice and you either surrender or yeah. I mean it's you it's happening. Um mm. and then you get so you get to, you get that that experience but then you expel it yeah. at the top. You That's know? right. I got away with it at that time. Yeah. Isn't that extraordinary? <laughs> wow. Yeah. No, yeah. it's pretty crazy days. I mean, I've had a had a couple of, couple like that another time I was um I'd been caught on the bottom because we did, it was like, you're like an underwater labourer, yeah. As a as a pearl farm diver, mm. and you're carting things around on the bottom and carrying them. So often you take your fins off, mm. and you're walking around on the bottom in your booties. Mm. So you leave your fins over on, you know, clip them to a a boy mm. uh, to a boy weight that's Mm-mm. on the bottom, a forty four full of concrete. Mm. And you'd walk, and you'd be carrying things, and you'd you know you might walk twenty meters away or something like that. Mm. Anyway, this day I got caught. And sure enough, the air started getting tight again. I went, oh, whoops, hang on. I'm, a bit, I'm as far as I can get from that, from where my fins are. 
and I've either got to go back and get my fins so I can swim up, mm. um, and I realised at the time I didn't have time to go back and get my fins. Mm. So I had to make a choice. I was, you know, we've got full wetsuits on, which makes you really buoyant. So you're wearing big weight belts to hold yourself down. And with no fins to swim up, I couldn't really get to right, the surface. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I had to make the decision to drop my weight belt, which is a, you know, it's a pretty radical decision as a diver because it means the wetsuit's going to take you up fast. Right. So and then you got the lung problem. And then you got the lung problem as well. Mm. So, you know, I'm, I'm floating up fast. I'm pushing against the water, trying to stop myself going up too fast because it's, um, and, um, you know, that was probably one of the hairiest ones I ever did. Um, and, I've, you know, I made it to the surface, blew all the air out on the way up and, and I'm pushing to slow myself down as much as I can. And, you know, it's pretty freaky. It's, um, it, it's one of the hardest ones I ever did. But the freakiest part of that was I went back down to get my fins you know, I started the compressor again, went back down to get my fins, went up this line where I knew I was working on this, <coughs> excuse me, on this rope line. Mm. I knew exactly where I was, where I dropped that weight belt. I never found that weight belt. That, right. fr- that freaked me out because I knew exactly where I was when I was working and the weight belt was gone. <laughs> wow. And it was like this day glow orange weight belt. Wow. Yeah. Under the sand. I never found Mermaids. it. Mermaids. Never found it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, man, what, what compels you when you're at home that night and you've had a feed and you're... Yeah. And you go, ah, oh, go back out tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Well, that's pretty funny, Dan, because uh, it wasn't long after that. You know, it was probably during the next week or so, I was, you know, swimming around underwater and felt this finger just tapping me on the shoulder saying, you know, I can take you out any time I want. And it was like, oh, okay, that's enough. And I quit. Oh, no shit. Yeah, I stopped. Wow. Yeah, that okay. was it for me. But got, that wasn't an event. It wasn't because you weren't having some crisis. It just, you just had. Yeah, I just had that feeling. Isn't yeah. that interesting? Yeah. Because you'd think most people it would be the horrible near-death experience that would stop you. Yeah. But you were there at just normally yeah. diving and you got this. Tap on the shoulder. Because, you know, I'd been given, there's, there's plenty of opportunities to die every day as a diver. Mm-hmm. And you've got to have your wits about you the whole time. Mm. So, um, Is this the kind of youthful sort of madness that, that allows particularly men to go off and do these risky behaviours at a certain age? You know, like go to war, do this stuff that seems insane. And, mm. and like Richard with jumping off buildings. And, yeah. I mean, I mean it's a, an extraordinary thing. Yeah. Well, you know, I was 20 years old and bulletproof and... Yeah. You know, and I guess I proved I was bulletproof because I did survive a lot of these things. Yeah, you have to sort of prove it to yourself. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I did it for fun more than anything. Yeah. For the adventure. For the adventure, yeah. I don't know if I was trying to prove anything. It was just the next thing to do, which, you know, it's I just love that adventure. Yeah, and, and, you know, talking to Jonesy and various people, and there, there was definitely been periods in their lives where they've needed to do that thing on a very physical level, test themselves. Yeah. And then they... then. It somehow gives them the, I mean, like yourself, like Jones, you've become very philosophical and reflective and, and, and educated themselves in other ways later, but mm. they still have that found, like, like you wouldn't, it seems like a paradox to some people perhaps that you start that way and you become uh, an, an astronomer and work with sort of academics on that field and Jonesy working with the guy with the Sumerian tablets yeah. and the anthropologists and the 
coming from his background as a crocodile yeah. guy, you know, yeah. with Malcolm. Mm. But to, but it's not. It kind of makes sense too. Well, it does. I mean, it's yeah. absolute freedom of thought mm. and action right. um, to do whatever's next. Yes. And you know, contemplating your own uh, <clears throat> mortality mm. is a really good way of doing that because mm. it makes you think about what life is. Yes. Yeah. Yes. What is this life? How do I live this life to the maximum? Mm. Yeah. These what, mi- these why am moments. I here? You know, why? You know, I could have been taken out a hundred times in with various things. Yep. And yet, you know, I miss by a whisker every time. Yeah. And I had to learn something from that missing by a whisker. You know, each one was critical and each one was vital in making me who I am today. Yeah. It's mm. like you earn the value of your life a bit. It, 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 mm. It, it, I mean, I know that for my my experiences that my difficulties in in earlier life that were dangerous were were different, but they still, you know, they're part of the story that makes me me. Yeah, and, and I see the kind of they they gave value. It gave value to yeah. my because I and we all do. We all have whatever it is that yeah is our challenge in life. Yeah, and we have to meet that no matter what it is. And some people's challenges look bigger than others, but. It doesn't mean they are. No, no, that's yeah. right. It's all it's all the challenge that that person is. It, it needs to come up against. That's right. That's your yeah. thing to do, and only you can do it. Mm. Yeah, and that's what's happened to me with the kids. You know, I, mm. I, there's such. Dave Mann was talking about. We, well, he and I were talking about how being a parent brings up. You seem to be able to feel diametrically opposed feelings simultaneously so you can be both excited yeah and thrilled yeah but ro- just sh- rocked with terror yeah. at, at the responsibility for example there's yeah. lots of these mm. things that that occur simultaneously yeah and there's you know I- embracing that mm. uh or or understanding that yeah and that the, the, their challenges that um yeah that we can yeah, well, you know, something I heard once was that you're never, ever going to be given anything that you can't handle. Right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, have faith that you're going to get through whatever it is and that it's there because you have the capability of dealing with it. Yeah, and yeah. that's really helpful, uh, actually, when things are tough as a parent because mm. when it's when it's when when it is tough, then being able to see it as yeah. a challenge as yeah. opposed to a disaster. Yes, yeah. And when you have my head, it can get easy for it to be a disaster. It's mm. funny, I, I know not, that's a, just a habit, I think, and, and I've... This is again why I wanted to come down here and connect a little bit because I've once I get into the head space and the fear space, yeah. I start to not see things just as a challenge and that you mm. won't get more than you can handle yeah. and all that sort of stuff, which mm. is what I learned in Broome. Yeah, but it's it gradually you have to keep replenishing. You do. You need to, and you need to remind yourself of that constantly. Yeah, you know, one thing I like to remind myself is, hey, relax. You're not in charge anyway. Yes. <laughs> if you think you're in charge, then you're coming down at a gurgler. For right. sure. Yeah. You're, you're just not, not. You're not running this show. You're fucking yeah. not running it. It's so not relax. my world. It's okay. I do that when I worry yeah. about politics and the environment and, yep. the, and the global thing. I, I have mm. to say to myself, without, without, you know, just being nihilistic, that yep. it's not my world. Yeah. Alone. Mm. It's, not, it's not mine. I it's, mean, you have to do your part in it. to do my part, but it's, yeah. it's, it's not. Mm. It's, it's not. It's not all my responsibility. That's this right. is this is this thing that's going on. Mm. Yeah, you're not in control. Yeah, um, yeah. Relax. You're not in charge. And those things remind <laughs> you of that, don't they? Those, I love it. Like I, I've had that when a when a woman. I mean, this is probably quite a common one. I was just daydreaming along in the city one day, and I 
I, I stepped off the curb and I was in midair, you know, in between yeah. steps. Mm. And this woman just grabbed my shoulder, pulled me back, and this speeding car yep. just went, I could feel it whisk yep. past me. And I was like, hmm. and then I had this really funny experience then of she'd clearly saved my life or at least saved me from yeah. grievous injury. Yeah. And then I walked, we just happened to be walking the same direction for a little while, but we didn't know what to say to each other. Yeah. Just kind of walked in silence and- and then as she turned off, I said, well, thanks for saving my life. And yeah. she said, no problem. <laughs> and that was that. It was like, fuck, it really yeah. made you go. Yeah. That was that was the moment. Well, there's right? an angel yeah. right there. Yeah. yeah. Fuck. You know? Mm. And I wonder if she still thinks about that. Yeah. The day I saved someone's life. And yeah. we, we probably do it all But time. maybe she does it all the time. She probably she's does. probably her role in life is to. <laughs> she goes out seeking it. Yeah. yeah. I did notice a, a, a cape. Oh, you did? Uh, yeah. Yeah, sweet. That's it. <laughs> um, hmm. Yeah, it's important to re recognize those things. And I think I think lots of people, um, if they're listening to this podcast, it's because they're, they're, they're identifying or they want to identify with those when with those fears and issues hmm. being a father. Yeah. And just... Um, yep, so you're not in charge, even when he's testing you and trying to make you angry. Yep. And sometimes succeeding, no doubt. Hmm. Then yeah. <laughs> Recognise he's playing a game. Mm. Yeah, for sure. He's sent. Yeah. He's been sent. Yeah. But he hasn't been sent to destroy you. This is the no, thing. That's not the thing all. you've got to avoid yeah. is getting into this thing where mm. the bastard's here to destroy he's you. Out, he's <laughs> out to get me. <laughs> yeah, or, or, or she starts crying just yeah. at the moment when this happens. Yeah. Go, hang on a minute. This is no. not, I know. If no, anything, if they were sent, they're sent to teach you what you need hmm. to know. So this just is... take a little step back and go, oh, look at what he's doing there. Isn't that so funny that he's trying to make me cranky? Mm. Yeah. And it's beautiful. It's amazing yeah. that, mm. that, that they can. And then you can laugh at him and he'll get cranky because his trick isn't working. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a real test. And when you when you see, um, so you said you've got lots of, um, or you feel like a kind of parent to lots of, kids yeah well some of, some of my daughter's friends for instance you know they've they've spent time with us and come on holidays with us and mm. and so you know I, I have been their father at that time and mm. and you know I, I feel that that's there's a, a beautiful connection there that mm. I, I treat as valuably as mm. as being a real father and you know yeah. I'm currently uh, I've got a, a young girl working with me at the moment who is the granddaughter of one of my best mates in town here Wow, right. Because when yeah. I first came to Broome, you know, there was about three and a half thousand people here and most of them were the Broome, old Broome families that are here, which yeah. are, you know, mixed up between all of the Asian races and the Aboriginal people and the European yes. races yeah. too. Mm. And so, you know, some of my best mates that I raced sidecars on the speedway with, right. I've now got one of their granddaughters yeah. who's out being a, a telescope wrangler yeah. on my tours. Yeah. So, you know, I tell everyone, this is my granddaughter. Right. Yeah. That's so lovely, isn't it? That, yeah. that, that Aboriginal people speak mm. in family terms with every, with all their yeah. sort of, and, and mm. it'd be nice. I, I try to do that a bit more now, refer to people as uncle so-and-so. And, yeah. Um, so it's consciously in your head. Yeah. Yeah. So. So, you know, they, and these people are very, you know, they're very strong in their sense of family. Mm. And so to let the granddaughter come out, mm. you know, they they let it come out with me because I am a part of the family. Mm. But then, you know, I sent her home with one of my workers because I was sleeping out in a swag. 
but I had, I had to let those parents know, hey, those people know, these workers of mine, they know that this is my granddaughter and she's yeah. absolutely sacred and, yep. you know, if anything happens, somebody will die <laughs> <laughs> at my hands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there's a solemn responsibility there too to, to make sure that... And people need response, yeah. opportunities to take responsibility for yeah. each other as much yep. as anything. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's great. You know, it's a whole generation come around again and, and mm. it's a pleasure to be a grandfather even though I'm not one mm. physically. And, yeah. and we put so much importance on the sort of blood relationships in, in, in sort of white society. But um, mm. the, the, just before we were talking about the importance of those, those sort of um, uncles and grandfathers and, and aunts and grandmothers who, who aren't related because there's a different thing. The, the, yeah. You don't. You're not burdened by all this other stuff that the actual relatives yeah. are. Mm. So you get to have a more authentic sometimes. Like me being Sammy's dad. Yeah. Yeah. In that moment, you're still mm. clearly in the sort of parental mm. position to him. Yeah. But it's different, yeah. crucially different. Mm. And because you like the like our other friends are people we can trust with that. Yeah. It's not like him going out into the world and de dealing with a stranger that. Yeah. We don't know and doesn't mm. have that responsibility. That's so, it. so then you, there's that freedom to kind of bang into each other. Yeah. And know that it'll be okay and he's, he's seeing a. Yeah, like when I dropped him on the ass, <laughs> yeah. if you had been there, he probably would have freaked out and cried or I, something. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. I think so. But yeah. he didn't. He just sat up and took notice. Yes. I got his attention. Yeah. yeah. And he did it again. Yeah. And I dropped him again. <laughs> <laughs> Man, he's t he'll. <laughs> But then he didn't anymore. No, he didn't anymore. I said, do you want to do this again? And he's like, oh, no, that's enough. Yeah. Because then what might happen next? <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. And I've seen him do that, you know. I've seen yeah. him do this stuff where he's clearly, he's got almost got this slight smile. Yeah. Because yeah. he wants I'm going to test you. Yeah, yeah, I want a boundary here. Yeah. I want to know. And yes. you can see him get visibly calmer. Yeah. When... He's been shown that boundary. Yeah, yeah. And of course, and, and this has come up a lot with the, the kind of the way you administer this discipline. And, you know, whether, and, and um, there's all this stuff around smacking kids and all that yeah. sort of stuff. And, and in a way, it doesn't really matter when, when because if, 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 if you were doing that for the right reason, to yeah. shock, to, to just, then you're not being cruel and violent and all yeah. that sort of stuff. Mm. And so I trust that any like, friends that do that with their kids, they're not, it's not like, yeah, it's, not kind a, of it's not beating somebody up. No, yeah. no. Mm. They're, they're just trying to provide that that clear thing yeah. to protect them. Um, and it is tricky today yeah. because, you know, it's not cool to, I don't know, maybe it's not cool that I dropped him on his ass, but I did. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well that's right, but I didn't I didn't for a second feel like that was – because yeah. I totally knew that you would – whatever, however that transpired, it mm. would have been – Yeah appropriate yeah you're not you there, there wouldn't have been malice behind it. no not at all i mean in, love if anything yes yeah yeah and but it's mm. hard for parents yeah to separate themselves from all that it's hard yeah. they're more in a way like they're, they're caught up in the emotion of it more so yeah when when i am in a position where i have to um show him the the boundary the boundary yeah i am coming at it from a you know hours of Mm. lost sleep and yeah. and frustration and yeah. other stuff with him. So when yep. that when it's removed and it's just a pure mm. confrontation between you and him and the sand yeah. throwing at the car. Yeah, or throwing in the car. In the car. He was throwing sand <laughs> into the car. It was like, uh -huh. this, you know, I can tolerate something, but not throwing sand into the car. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And 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 you, you've got to show him that. Yeah. I mean, why? Mm. You know. If he was crazy. just throwing sand at me on the beach, I would have just thrown it back at him. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and in a way, you could you could argue that if you'd done nothing about that because yeah. he was my kid or whatever, mm. then the next time he might do that to someone who's not as yeah loving or mel- yeah. or who you know who knows. Yeah. You, you, so in a way, you're <laughs> obligated to at least give them some indication. Yeah. Of of what's going on. I think you are, and you know, the earlier you can nip that in the bud, the better. And and the thing is, once he's got you. Once he's got your measure, mm. um, and he knows how to play that game on you, mm. it's a bit, it's a lot more difficult. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know how you do that. It's, um, I guess you have people around like me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's where we're gonna we're, we're, we're gonna bring them yeah. back. Yeah, because we had a great time yesterday in the sandpit as well. Yeah, you know we talked about things and yeah, who was in charge, and it's like, <laughs> no, no, I'm in charge. Yeah, but I want to be in charge. Yeah, but you can't be in charge because you can't even do what your mother asks you to do. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> that's good. I've been trying to talk to him about um, earning things. Yeah. Because he goes, I want a treat. Like he'll, he'll knock yeah. Luna over and go, I want a treat. Yeah. And I go, hang on a minute. You're, uh, not, no. you, you're not getting this right at all. <laughs> and and I, he says, I say, you've got to earn the treat. You need to show me yeah, you need to be that nice. you are worthy. You need to be nice for yeah. a while. And then I give you a treat. Well, you need because, to be nice for the rest of your life. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but, but you don't get a treat. And, yeah. and he said, but I'm going to be nice now after yeah. this. Hmm. You give me the treat, I'll be nice. Yeah. It's like, it's like no. pay first. Then <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not it's sure. It's a game. And, and this is what's hard at this age too. Yeah. Is you, you can't. He's got limitations of language and stuff. He doesn't. He doesn't understand. Oh no, he understands. Anyway. Does he? Yes, he does. <laughs> okay, absolutely. Maybe. He understands fully. Yeah, well, that's what I. Yep. Missy keeps talking about. He knows about what he's doing. How at a certain age, they don't, they mm. can't be playing games with you because they're not, they're not developed enough. Oh to, no, he knows. Yeah, I think so yeah, too. Absolutely. And I have the strong mm. feeling that they know what's going on early on. I mean, they don't know it in the same mm. way that we know it. No, no, they they do. There it's, is some limitations to their knowing, but they yeah, know that stuff. It's not it cognitively sort of. It's they couldn't like speak it to you. It's well, like, not it's a, risk and reward. Right. If I do this, I'm mm. going to get a treat. Yeah. If I spit the dummy, I'm going to get a treat. Mm. And they learn that hey, the best way to get a treat is to really spit the dummy. You know. And that's fun as well. Yeah, that's so. right. Because I get it. Everyone's you know reacting and yeah, and um, everyone upset, and it's all about me. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's fascinating. Whereas if you can go, ah, oh, I can see what he's doing, and and just actually ground yourself at the same time, yeah, and just observe him doing that, and not, not even respond or react to it, yeah, which is a real challenge, yeah, because it is. It's going to push every button that we've got, yeah, and it's you know it is going to bring those things up for us. So yeah, yeah, amazing. So you know, I guess I come back to breathing again. Mm. You know, while he's doing that. As if he's triggering things for you, there's a really good chance that you're holding your breath. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm a terrible breath holder. There you go. I've had people say that to me. It's when I'm concentrating or when I'm yeah. doing which is the time you least need to hold your breath. And it, yeah. People will say, hey, breathe, man. Yeah. I go, oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's just a matter of, uh, so, you know, before re- reacting to Sammy, yeah. Take three big breaths and see how it looks then. I bet you it looks different. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And it's a matter of learning how to do that. Yeah. And and rather than focusing on what I've got to do with him, what I've got to what I've got to fix, what I've got to worry about. Yeah. If I learn those very practical techniques. They are practical. Yeah. And just all right, so mm. whenever this happens you'd breathe. Yeah. Then that may 
that may well it can't do any harm and it may just yeah. eliminate a whole bunch of things i'm trying to figure out and you probably need a way to remind yourself of that too because it's the least time when you're going to be thinking about doing that mm. and your first response is to hold your breath and this is normal. This is normal for everybody out. It's a yeah. It's a kind of um, you know you retain yeah. impulse to to kind of hold on. Yeah. 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 I mean, I talk about breathing with um, with telescopes too. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because you know what I've noticed with people is the first thing they do when they walk up to a telescope is they stick their eye up and they go <gasps> hold the breath and they hold their breath and our eyes require higher levels of oxygen to work. And the first thing to go when you hold your breath is your eyesight. So if you're looking in a telescope and you and you just breathe, you will see more. Right. You do see more. And another thing too is you know you're reading a book and you're squinting and you're trying to read it and you're squint and you're holding your breath. And your eyes are getting worse. As your eyes are getting worse. Yeah. God, that's such a so such a great sort of mm. metaphor for. For everything. For everything that we can do, you know. <laughs> well, I do describe it as a way of looking in a telescope and a technique, and then I tell everyone it's uh, feel free to use this technique in the rest of your life too. So. Yeah. And it's funny because you made that noise. It's like, ah. And that's kind of the noise people make when they're in awe of something. Yeah. When it really makes them. Well, you're you, breathing life in. Yeah, because you, yeah. you want to actually then draw it in. Yeah. You're not concentrating. You're, yeah. just, you're not thinking. You're just suddenly. Mm. Like well, that. That, that stimulus that's coming to you from... Mm. Sammy, or from anybody around you that can create that reaction that leads to a holding of the breath, if you breathe that experience in and allow it to move through, let's um, give it a go and see what the difference That's it. is. That's yeah. it. That's it, man. I've I've got this image. The, the other night when he, Sammy had been blocking me for 48 hours, just every single thing I did, and he yep. was standing in the bath, and I said, right, jump out. I'm going to... And he went, No. <laughs> And it was the final no, and I just dropped the towel and said, I'm going to bed. Yeah. And I said to him, I just said, I just can't do it. I can't do it. And and um, so I keep thinking of him standing there. Yeah. And my sort of re- in, just coming to the end of my ability to do anything. And now I'm think, I keep thinking what I need to do in those situations is breathe, as you said, and kind of move move toward it. It's like the Buddhist thing of yeah. of of, of with suffering or groundlessness, step into it. Yeah. Move toward it, open yeah. up to it, and it won't. Well, you'll see it more clearly. Yeah. You'll see it for what it is. Both, rather... both literally see yeah. it clearly. Literally. Yeah. Mm. Literally and figuratively and energetically. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll you'll get a clearer picture of mm. what's going on. Mm. Yeah. And the, the thing is, too, you'll probably, by your breathing, encourage him to breathe as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, I did that with him once. I just, I don't know why. I just said, let's just breathe. Yeah. The, you know, we'll do a deep breath. And then we'll breathe it out. Yeah. And, and, and it was great. Yes. I think I should do more of that with him too. Great. Mm. Yeah. Because we see, you spend a lot of time looking for the big ant, the big solutions, mm. the big answers, and it's, it's yeah. it could be simple. Sometimes things. it's as simple as rubbing your feet in the ground. Feet in the ground. Putting your hands in the dirt. Take a breath. Just literally grounding mm-hmm. and breathing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's what we'll do. <laughs> Sounds <Yeah>. great. <laughs> well, I'm very glad I came down uh, this morning to do to do this with you. Ah, oh, it's and, great, and, then. Um, yeah. Before we left. Yep. And um, yeah, I'm only sorry you're going. I mean, I love having you guys around, and mm. 
you know, it, it adds some excitement to the middle of, of a lot of our years when mm. when you turn up and the Bradleys turn up and yeah, um, yeah. I mean, there's a few of us in town like Jonesy Mob and the Browns and mm. and Will, but um, you know, it's all a part of a big family that we have and yeah, and I just treasure that so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we'll keep it up. Mm. All right, thanks, man. Cheers, Dan. Thanks, Ricky. Awesome podcast was recorded at Castaway Studios in Collingwood. Here, we provide affordable, accessible, professional podcasting production facilities to the full range of podcasters, all the way from basic studio hire right through to full season production packages. You can get us on castawaycollingwood at gmail.com or just look up Castaway Studios on all the social medias. Mm-hmm.